pretty just, sure it's Aper. What's the Aper on your car loan, babe? That's Oof. great. Just, just absolutely perfect. Welcome to Pennies and Popcorn, the show about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies. With your hosts, Carla Cash and Robert Davidson, a couple of personal finance geeks and movie lovers. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our very first episode of the Pennies and Popcorn Show. We are so excited to be putting this show together and sharing our financial insights with the world. We have been watching TV and movies for about as long as we can remember, and we've been personal finance geeks for uh, about the last like seven to ten years or so. And we thought, let's mash those two loves of ours together and have some fun kicking around discussions of uh, financial aspects of TV shows and movies. So first things first, why don't we introduce ourselves? Robert, do you want to tell everybody who you are? Sure. Yeah, my name is Robert Davidson. I am an energy engineer by day, uh, I guess a, a show host by night. Uh, I grew up in Louisiana. I met Carla here as a college student at Texas A&M. We lived in Dallas together for a long time. And now we've moved out to Colorado and are enjoying the beautiful wintry weather here. Uh, sun all year round, the, the nice different seasons. It's nice and cool outside. Fall is here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be part of the show. My name is Carla Cash. I'm your co-host and I am an attorney by day and now a show host by night. Um, yeah, like Robert said, we have been part of the uh, local community in Colorado here for just a couple of years now, pretty recent transplants from Texas. And one of the reasons we moved here is that there is a large community of folks who are all about frugality and saving money and even retiring early around these parts. And we've been really lucky to be a part of the financial independence community here in Longmont, Colorado for the past couple of years. Yeah, it's been pretty great. Uh, in fact, our show here is part of a broader family. We're part of the Mile High Five family of shows. Uh, if you've watched that program, you know Doug and Carl are good friends. In fact, we were on an early episode with them and got to talk a little bit about our own journey uh, on the financial independence track. And yeah, we're, we're just excited to help them expand their offering and uh, give a little bit different slice and flavor to financial independence from, from our perspective. Yeah, I think we are the first new members of the Mile High Fi family besides Doug, Doug Cunnington and Carl Jensen. We should say their full names. Um, so let's hope we're not estranged cousins after this episode. <laughs> it's always a risk. Um, yeah, so Robert, can you talk a little bit more about why we're jumping on this bandwagon and why we're putting this show together? Yeah, we just have a lot of fun ourselves and we, we thought it'd be enjoyable to kind of share some of our thoughts with the rest of the world, right? We uh, we experience a lot of life through pop culture, just like most other people do. And we sit down and nitpick the little details out of everything. And sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's inspiring. And I don't know, we were just trying to think of a fun way to share some of our thoughts with some other people. We've had some interesting experiences in our lives and I thought it'd be cool to be able to share that with people and, and build a little bit of a community virtually in addition to the financial independence community we have so real here at Longmont as well. Yeah, and I have to confess, I think part of the appeal for me of doing 
this particular topic of dissecting finances from the imaginary world of entertainment um, is really fun because it means we get to be super judgy about other people and their finances because they you... don't actually exist, right? They're imaginary. When did you get so mean? I mean, I'm a total angel. I've never been mean a day in my life, but you know, if there are people who don't actually exist, maybe we can bring out the devil a little bit and be a little judgy of those folks. Everyone loves to be judgy, right? Especially about other people's money decisions. Well, I, I love to be judgy. It's been a hobby of mine <laughs> for a long time. I'm excited you jumped on the bandwagon and we'll have the chance to kind of uh, commend a few people, but probably rip on a whole lot more. Uh, you know, I, I think it's funny. We get a lot of our life lessons from TV and movies. It's where we set some of our own expectations. And in my experience, <laughs> those expectations can be way off when they're on the big screen. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun to give a, give a real take from our perspective and, you know, see through our lens. Yeah, absolutely. Money is a part of almost every TV show and movie because it's a huge part of our lives, right? Money is woven into everything we do and our daily lives. Um, so it's a fascinating topic to everybody. Yeah, I think we were concerned at first that there wouldn't be enough content to cover. But as we just started thinking through every show we've loved or every movie that's out recently or any hit thing, it's there. It's either right there in front of you or below the surface simmering, impacting decisions that characters are making and impacting the way the viewers react in the real world, too. Yeah, so get used to us because there's a ton of content for us to cover. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. So let's talk about our very first episode that we're going to be covering here today. Robert, what show are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to talk about Saturday Night Live. Uh, we felt like with this show, we'd be introducing ourselves and we figured we'd pick something simple, relatable. Uh, that's been around for a long, long time. I, I, if you've not heard of Saturday Night Live and you're watching this show um, or listening to this podcast... Where have you been? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I'm not sure what planet you've been on. Um, yeah. Uh, fun fact. How long has Saturday Night Live been on the air? Do you know? Uh, two, two seasons. Two seasons. That is correct. Uh, no, that is wildly incorrect. It's actually been on air for about 45 years. Yeah, okay. but it is not the longest running TV show. Do you know what the longest running show is? Oh, gosh, this is a fun factoid that I feel like I should have a guess on. It could be a soap opera. Um, the Bold and the Beautiful. Is that even a soap opera? I believe that it is, uh, but that is not the correct answer. This actually is a good answer. The, the right answer is Meet the Press. Okay. I think it's like 67 years. Okay. But I think uh, Guiding Light was a pretty close second, like 65 years or something. My, uh, so. my backup guesses were Judge Judy, Survivor, and Cops. <laughs> Those are all great guesses. <laughs> Real quality television, too. Yeah. Hey, I, I only watch the highbrow. Yeah, I mean, well, they've been on the air for so long for a reason, right? It's just yeah, lots of it's really good stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Saturday Night Live has obviously been around for such a long time. Interestingly, it's kind of a polarizing show. The ratings are like dead center. People either give it a five-star review or a one-star review. So it's like right in the middle at three stars. Robert and I are definitely more in the five-star camp. Um, we like Saturday Night Live, watch it pretty regularly. There's a lot of misses in there, but the hits I feel like are just solid gold when they pull them off. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've got a lot of great great clips that we've watched over and over again over the years and we're going to watch a couple of them today so okay. we're excited um so our very first sketch that we're going to be looking at today um is actually from a while ago it's from about 15 years ago kicking it back old school to 2006 
And the title of this one is just about as clear as you could get. Don't buy stuff you cannot afford. This sketch is featuring Amy Poehler, Steve Martin as the host, and Chris Parnell. Robert, do you want to kind of set it up for people a little? Well, I almost want to set it for my own personal perspective. So this came out in February 2006. I started working my first big adult job in December 2005. So, you know, uh, the idea of don't buying stuff you cannot afford uh, was, was pretty relevant for me at the time. Yeah, I certainly had entered a different stage of my life with money and spending. And uh, I, I remember this when it came out and it, it was pretty, it hit home. It was a good good reminder of some of the money tips I learned growing up and how I wanted to, to deal with them moving forward. But the episode, or the sketch rather, starts with Amy Poehler and Steve Martin, a married couple who are struggling with their finances. They're, they're at their wits end trying to balance the checkbook, pay the bills, deal with the debt. Yeah. You want to roll the, want to roll the clip? Yes, let's take a listen. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. Uh, it's uh, just a great little beginning of the, the clip there. Um, Steve Martin is very confused by this concept of not buying things when you don't have the money for them. Um, so when I see this clip, the first thing that it makes me think of is credit cards, right? Because that's almost always the way that people are buying things when they don't actually have the money for it. Otherwise, we're talking about robbery if you don't have a credit <laughs> card, right? If you're taking things you don't have the money for. Um, so... Yeah, credit cards. What a topic, right? We could talk for hours about that. Don't worry, we're not going to. Um, but yeah, credit cards. What is, what is your take on credit cards, Robert? Um, it's interesting. So growing up, I feel like I learned a lesson that, you know, it's, it's a really bad idea to carry a credit card balance and that if you have a credit card for something, uh, you'd want to pay it off every single month. But, you know, I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, and credit cards weren't used back then like they are today. And uh, I guess my take on credit cards is like, I I don't carry much cash. I don't really use cash for anything. I pay for everything on a credit card and go try to rack up a, a bunch of points and miles and try to get them to pay me some extra money for using their service. And, you know, uh, that's paid for through fees that the you know the service provider or the store or whoever I'm buying stuff from is paying. And it's kind of baked into the pricing model for just about everything today. So there's not really any reason for me not to go use it for that for that purpose. So I don't know. That's my that's my sort of experience with credit cards. That's what I do today. I just I use them to buy everything. Yeah, I agree. And as your wife, I uh, use the same approach and we are both on the same page with that. Um, but obviously they can be an incredibly dangerous tool if you are using them to buy stuff you cannot afford. Um, yeah, our take is obviously use them for only things that you can't afford because you are planning to pay down the full amount of your credit card debt at the end of every month. So it's no different than paying in cash. Um, it just provides like the added travel bonuses and points um, or cash back rewards. And it provides you an extra level of security, right? If um, cash That's gets true. stolen... That's it. You're out of luck. Your cash is gone. If your credit card gets stolen, you can put a stop on any purchases that were made before you caught it. 
and you're not going to be hit with that loss. That money is not gone for you. Um, so yeah, I think they come with an extra layer of security. That's really helpful. I am generally pro credit card, but huge, but if, and only if you are using them responsibly. So I think you kind of already have to have a black belt in keeping your spending under control and generally being, you know, frugal, whatever that means for you living within your means before you can graduate to this level of being able to use credit cards responsibly. Yeah, we, we lived in Texas for so long. Uh, we had a lot of friends who were big fans of Dave Ramsey and his financial program, which is all about using cash and cash being king. Uh, his sort of mentality is that when you have a finite amount of cash on you, it really hurts to spend it. And uh, when you do a digital transaction with a credit card, you, you just swipe the card and it's good to go and it doesn't feel like any money's being spent. I'm not sure I have felt that way in my life. I kind of feel almost the opposite. And I realize he has researched this and talks about it a lot. And maybe it's just an age-related thing. But I feel like for me, gosh, when I have money in my pocket, it's, I'm so limited that I carry. And it happens so infrequently that I have a sizable amount of cash. I almost just... It's already kind of gone. And with a credit card, every time I run it, I think, oh, there's going to be a, a growing balance that I have to deal with. Or even if it were a debit card, it's going to be subtracting from my bank account balance. And that that's not very fun. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. So Robert and I use Mint to track our spending. Um, I know there are other programs out there that a lot of people use to track their spending, but that's tied to our credit cards. So every time we swipe one of those cards, I know that next time I check Mint, which I do probably more than I should, but next time I check, there's going to be that ugly little debit there and I'm not going to like it and our net worth is literally going to have gone down based on that spending. Whereas if I go to an ATM and I swipe the card there and I get cash out there, I think mentally, okay, that money's already gone. I already had that pain point of seeing the deduction in Mint and now... It's just paper in my wallet. Yeah, I could be way more frivolous with paper. Who cares? Yeah. No one's going to track it. You're not going to know that I spent a ludicrous amount on, I don't know what. That is so true. Nothing shameful. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you don't have um, a partner. You know, if you share your, like, a Mint account or something else with a partner, they're not looking over your shoulder when you're spending that cash, but you know everything they're spending if they're spending it on a card. That's linked to Mint. So, yeah, I maybe it is a generational thing with, with Dave Ramsey and he didn't grow up with this, those kinds of tools. But we've been using um, tools like that for as long as I can remember most of our marriage. And I, for me, that is the pain point is swiping the card. So I think you just have to be honest with yourself about where is your pain point. Do you hate parting with those precious pieces of paper in your wallet or do you hate swiping that card? So you made a great point about using credit cards the way we do, and you need to have kind of a black belt in financial stuff before you, you get too wild with it. So data point I looked up before we hopped on this. Any idea what the average family credit card debt looks like in the United States today? Uh, I feel like it's going to be really depressingly high. <laughs> I don't know exactly, though. Uh, it is $6,000 and change. Uh, that's kind of the average family credit card debt, not the median, but the, the average. 
another friend question, because there's a distribution, right? Some people uh, avoid credit cards like the plague. Some people just are able to pay off their balances every month and it's not an issue. So maybe another interesting factoid is how prevalent this is in family households. What percentage of U.S. households do you think have some amount of credit card debt that they're not paying off? I would guess somewhere in the range of like, I don't know, maybe 60%. It's not quite that high. Uh, the numbers I found were 45% of households are carrying some That's amount of credit card debt. Yeah. But that, that means that they're just taking money and, you know, paying off a balance, paying off a huge interest rate every single month. I think we looked it up. The average interest rate right now is what, like 16%? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's if you have really good credit. I imagine as your credit is worse off, that interest rate is uglier and uglier. And if you're paying something off with, with minimal payments or barely more than the minimum, you'll be paying you know, substantially more than the initial purchase price for everything you picked up. So. Yeah. Well, let's see how uh, Amy Poehler and Steve Martin are getting along with their financial advisor here, is giving them this pearls of wisdom about not buying stuff they can't afford. Should yeah. we watch our next clip? Go for it. Okay. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. <laughs> I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. <laughs> oh, then you buy then it. Then you buy it. I feel like that's been a tagline in our house for the better part of a decade, maybe longer. Yeah, yeah. We both just love that line. We're suckers for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, This it's just such a great clip. Uh, <laughs> just struggling so hard to understand what seems like such a super basic concept. But, I mean, the numbers you were just rattling off certainly demonstrate, right? This is certainly not as hard out as they're making it out to be to understand. But it may not be hard to understand, but it's hard to put in practice for a whole lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think people just, 45% of families are struggling with credit card debt today. Yeah, it's really hard for people to, to wait. Uh, there's a lot of purchases that people make hoping that they'll have the money, just like Steve Martin said, uh, that they're, they hope it'll work out. So what, what should people do about that? Should they go to a rent -a center and just, instead of buying something on credit, just rent it for a little while or what, oh what should gosh. people do? Those places like Rent-A-Center are just terrible with a capital T, in my opinion. Yeah, they charge you money to rent the thing like a new TV or a new couch or an appliance, something that you need or want oftentimes. And yeah, they're just gonna gouge you if you go to one of those places. You will end up paying so, so much more money um, by quote, renting this item instead of saving up and buying it outright. Or there's so many other options, right? You can always buy something used. Um, there are such great deals to be had um, buying things used. You can buy them on places like Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, eBay, um, groups like FreeCycle where people post stuff that they're getting rid of for free. Sometimes you can find amazing things there. I think Robert and I have a really nice Dyson vacuum cleaner that retails for something like five or $600 that we bought for like a hundred bucks on Craigslist. And we've had it for 
what, like six, seven years now, and that thing is going strong and like doing great and yeah, fights all the dog hair that we have in our house. Yeah, yeah, I think when you came up with this idea, I was like, oh, this is going to be disgusting and gross. So we went to this guy's house and it was this beautiful, clean microwave, just like the picture showed, or microwave, <laughs> vacuum cleaner. Uh, that was your other wife you bought the vacuum cleaner and yeah. <laughs> the microwave with. Neither of us knew Yeah, uh, believe it or not, I don't clean with the microwave. Really, I don't clean enough with the vacuum cleaner either, but uh, so we don't need to have that marital fight on this show. We'll have plenty of other marital fights uh, in this sure. discussion for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I, I think buying stuff used is a great way to do stuff. There's such depreciation on just about everything uh, as soon as it's not new, but the utility is rarely diminished anywhere close to the amount of depreciation. So there's a great way for you to, to get some hidden value and, and get some of the things you want. I also think just aligning your wants and needs with you know the timing of your financial flexibility is pretty important right i mean take us we're, we're two adults who've done pretty well we've had good jobs uh, and there have been lots of times where maybe we didn't rush to go purchase something and we may do with less right we, we sort of recalibrated what we wanted to what made sense for us in the moment right yeah i was just thinking about how we slept on an air mattress for something around the range of six months um, instead of going out and buying a new mattress at one point. Um, I don't think we slept on that for, for that long. I think we used it as a couch for a little while, too. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it was a bed for a few months and then a couch for a few months after that. Yeah. 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 Just but, keeping it classy over here. You know yeah. how we roll. But, yeah. but seriously, managing your wants is totally relevant. There are a lot of times we think we have to have something. We have to keep up with the Joneses. Joneses. Uh, no offense to any of you Joneses out there. I'm sure you have lots of lovely things. Uh, but I think, you know, we don't always need that newest iPhone model or that brand new TV or to upgrade that thing in our lives that still functions just fine, even though we may feel like other people are doing the same thing. We get so much of our expectation for what's normal from TV and it just isn't. We, we need to kind of tailor it back a little bit. And that's one thing I love about being part of our financial independence community here in Longmont. There are a lot of people who live that. There's no, you know, uh, what is it? Frugality is the new fanciness, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> true. Tagline. Yeah, I think if um, if we showed up at a gathering of people here in Longmont who are in that financial independence community with like fancy new duds or like a designer handbag, we would get very negative feedback on it instead of like the positive reinforcement that you might get in a lot of other communities. So yeah, so important to find people who are kind of of the same mentality can encourage you to, you know, keep that spending in check and not value the material things quite as much. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've uh, bogged down on this. Don't buy stuff you cannot afford for quite a bit here. Uh, SNL is a show we've watched a lot. They do a bunch of parodies of a lot of different things. And who knows, maybe we'll do another episode with other clips. But before we go, there was another clip that uh, they aired in December of 2020, leading up to Christmas, where they lampooned something that you and I have had a hard time with just about every holiday season. Why don't we roll some footage? Yeah, let's check it out. It hasn't been a normal year, so this Christmas, get her something extraordinary during the Lexus December to Remember sales event. Nathan, you didn't. With flexible financing and 0% APR, there's never been a better time to buy or lease a new Lexus. Merry Christmas, baby. Are you kidding me, Nathan? (laughs) Did you seriously buy a car without asking me? (laughs) 
Oh, gosh. When we saw this SNL skit, I almost, like, jumped off the couch and started jumping up and down for joy. I was so excited to see somebody making fun of this ridiculous pattern that we see every single Christmas with just this litany of car commercials encouraging you to buy a car as a gift for your, usually your spouse is what it's presented as. Um, Yeah, I just am filled with glee that Saturday Night Live has portrayed what I feel very confident would happen in our house if you were to come home with a car for me for Christmas without having asked me about it. That is exactly the response that you would get. Surprise! <laughs> I think I would be upset if you bought a bow as big as the one that comes on those cars. How much yeah. does that cost? My goodness. Yeah, that is an excellent <laughs> question. I wonder how much the bow does cost. But obviously that car is going to be obscenely expensive. It is a Lexus, she's pointed out. Um, so, yeah, just, I think, a giant relief for me to see that other people feel this way and that it's being lampooned on, on national television. So, if I can't go buy a car in secret and surprise you with it... Correct. Um, I imagine you won't be upset if I buy a pack of gum in secret... Depends on the brand. Okay. So what, where, where does that, so somewhere between like a dollar and tens of thousands of dollars, where's the limit? Like what, what's okay to spend without uh, talking to your partner about first? Oh gosh, I think this is going to be unique to every couple and their financial situation and their financial goals. Um, but I don't know for us, I mean, I wouldn't even go to the store, like a clothing store and buy a like a sweater without, I don't know, I would just feel weird not talking to you about spending any money that's completely frivolous. Oh, I'd be afraid of getting grounded. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, most of the time we buy hardly anything without talking to each other. Now, maybe that's on the extreme end, and I know it works for a lot of couples to have like, you know, their monthly fun budget that, you know, no questions asked, you spend that on whatever you want and that seems like a very good idea for me i think we're more on the extreme end of frugality and so maybe our approach is far too extreme for a lot of folks but i think that's generally how you and i would approach it talking about virtually everything yeah i think if i want to spend more than like 1875 and get a couple of burritos at chipotle (laughs) i better talk to you about it no i i I think yeah every call every financially together unit should talk about these kinds of things it's so easy to just be wildly on a different page for what's normal and what's not normal i don't think we have any sort of dollar figure that we would feel the need to talk to one another about we just have a shared expectation of uh you know major decisions and even minor ones are worth talking to each other about so we're pretty lucky in that in that respect yeah fully agree okay um is there more to this Money move? Indeed there is. It only gets better. Should we keep watching? Let's do it. All right. This is a major purchase. Right, but it it was a December to remember. It's a Lexus. We don't have the money for this, Nathan. We don't? No, we don't. Oh, it was a December to remember. So what what we didn't show you in this clip is this aired in December 2020, you know, right in the middle of COVID. And what they mentioned in the clip is that... uh, the dad has been out of work since March and he talks about how COVID had impacted people in a big way. And the wife uh, points out, uh, 
you've been out of work since March of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we've had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't had a job in, you know, Year 20 months, yeah, should you surprise your spouse with a new car? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I mean, I guess there is some level of, like, financial resources, some level of wealth at which, sure, you know, whatever the cost of Alexis is, which we're actually going to get into in a minute, um, would just be so minor compared to the amount of money that you have that, you know, who cares? Go ahead and buy your spouse Alexis. But that level of wealth is, would I think for you and I, it would just be astronomically high, far higher than I expect we would ever attain in many lifetimes. So it's just not going to apply to the vast, vast vast majority of human beings yeah I, I have to say what's surprising to me is that the dad seems to think this is totally reasonable and the mom is not aligned like they have a totally different expectation for what is normal financially and then probably what's even more concerning is that they have a son who's coming of age right that kid i think is high school or older mm -hmm. and he's not really clued into the fact that dad hasn't been working for a year and a half and that money might be tight. It, I don't know. That's kind of discouraging. Yeah. And I think to sort of defend the kid, he probably is getting very strange messages about the level of financial security that they have because they're coming out of like this pretty, you know, fancy looking house. They're dressed pretty well. Everything looks very well put together in their lives. So if you're this kid looking around thinking like, well, we have all this nice stuff, we must be doing well, you probably are kind of shocked to hear that, oh, we can't afford Alexis. There's a money problems going on. So it really seems like these parents are not doing a good job of kind of setting a good example for their kid, right? It seems like maybe their spending is not in alignment with what they have coming in the door. Yeah, so this might be kind of an unpopular opinion. Uh, fair warning, Carl and I, no kids. We do have a dog, Miles. He may pop up in one of these episodes. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm, you may hear him. If you're watching on video, maybe you'll see a tail wagon in the background. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> stay for the surprises. Uh, anyway, we don't have kids, but to me, it seems like a lot of families do this. They sort of shield their children from real-life money lessons and don't give them the, the exposure that's necessary to set them up for success. People just sort of have a, a skewed perspective on how much money someone earns or how much something actually costs and what you can really afford and how to prepare for retirement and you know all these financial things that schools definitely aren't teaching people very much about it's such a sensitive topic that you know we got to rely on parents to do that and parents also treat it as a sensitive topic they're a little bit anxious about you know kids blabbing about their own financial stories or whatever that you don't even expose them very much so i i don't know as a non-parent my advice to parents is to talk more about it <laughs> yeah we don't have a lot of street cred when it comes to that topic but i think you know we were children once and I think obviously there is some age at which you don't want to share, you know, your financial details with a kid because they are just going to turn around and go like blab it to the kids on the playground. And, you know, it just makes for uncomfortable situations. But by the time you are this kid's age, which I'm if you're listening to the podcast and not watching on YouTube, he's probably I'm going to say like 17. It's Timothy Chalamet, if that helps anybody. Um, but yeah, he's probably supposed to be playing around like seven, 16, 17, I would guess. So, yeah, I would say by that age, they're, you know, close enough to going off to college and 
taking over their own finances that they should be a little bit more clued into how to manage finances and what's going on with mom and dads. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Let's watch our last clip here. How much did you spend on this ridiculous car, Nathan? It was only $39.99 to its signing. Four grand. It's not that much, babe. And how much is the monthly payment? The what? Did you think this entire car cost $4,000? Uh-huh. There's a monthly payment. Yeah, but with the 0% APR, I think it's all good. APR? Do you mean APR? I'm pretty sure it's APR. <laughs> pretty just, sure it's April. What's the April on your car loan, babe? That's oh. great. Just just absolutely perfect. So well done. Um, yeah, so let's dig into the actual finances of what this character that Beck Bennett is playing has done to his family here a little bit and find out just how bad it is. Um, so he's brought home this Lexus SUV, right? So the base model for a Lexus SUV as things stand today, is $45,000. A little bit over that, actually. But let's round it to forty-five k. Oh, I bet he got the base model. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem like a base model kind of guy, does he? He seems like he wants to go over the top with everything. But um, let's just assume that he got the base model. Um, so if, as he says, they have a 0% APR, which, of course, means APR, she correctly points out, which stands for annual percentage rate, um, if we are looking at a 0% interest rate on the car for the year, then they're going to be paying, oh, and assuming that it is a five-year loan, which is pretty typical for cars, then you're looking at $720 a month. So that is the answer to her question. Best case scenario, that is the answer to her question. Now, if the 0% APR is, you know, like an introductory rate and there's actually an interest rate that's going to kick in later say 5%, which would actually be pretty good, then it jumps up to $820 a month, which over the course of a year is $9,840. If it's a 10% interest rate, because maybe these guys don't have the best credit, which based on the information we have about these folks would not be surprising, then they're looking at about $920 a month, which is $11,040 over the course of a year. Yeah, they're definitely strapped for cash. Uh, the 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 show also uh, demonstrates that he borrowed five thousand dollars from a neighbor to go <laughs> buy this Lexus. So uh, it's a December to remember to pay the bill. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I happy Hanukkah. Here's an obligation. Yeah, not an obligation. A enormous obligation. That is so much money to be saddling the family with every single month. And of course, this guy is so dense, he doesn't even realize that he's done it. But yeah, it's just not a good Christmas present in my book to say Merry Christmas. Okay. You have $720 I... a month minimum for at least five years. Okay. Well, I, uh, I've i got that noted. <laughs> I will make an effort. Uh, yeah. Thank you for I'll that. I'll try. We'll see what happens in 2021. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. So, um... One of the things that's interesting about this clip is that they are, of course, lampooning an actual car commercial. This is based on a very real campaign that Lexus ran called December to Remember. And yeah, the whole premise of the campaign is encouraging people to buy cars as Christmas presents 
for their spouses. Yeah, I've got a quote here from the Lexus VP of Marketing. So, where other manufacturers were focused on sales transactions, moving sheet metal, Lexus focused on the holidays and the joyful human moments that create special memories. We conducted consumer research that sought to understand the emotional allure of the holidays. Perhaps ironically, it was that focus on the consumer that ultimately led to sales leadership over competitors. Man, that quote just kills me. It's so wrong in so many ways. First of all, they end with that line, perhaps ironically, (laughs) it was the focus on the emotional appeal that led them to success rather than like focusing on the numbers. Of course, that's what like led to the success of the campaign. That's marketing 101, right? You're trying to emotionally appeal to people, somehow get under their skin and get into their heart or make them feel ashamed if they don't have this product that you're hawking. So yeah, that's such a just completely like obtuse statement for her to make. She's clearly just trying to pull the wool over our eyes even more and make it seem like, well, what a shock. We focused on the emotions and, you know, it's just unexpectedly had these fabulous results for us. Well, Carla, you're pretty smart. You're pretty strong-willed. I mean, aren't you impervious to marketing? I wish I could say yes to that question, but no. And I think it's, you know, it's like a 12-step program. The first step is admitting it, right? Like, you have to acknowledge the fact that when you see an ad, food especially for me is like, I see an ad for like a really delicious looking meal and I'm like, yeah, I got to have that. That I still want my baby back ribs. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, yeah, that commercial, we're like totally dating ourselves. That was like in the mid 90s, right? And we still remember that and we can still picture the like delicious looking plate of baby back ribs coming out. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, it's... The marketing is so clever. Those people know exactly what we want. And it's hard to, you know, kind of dial down the temptation, acknowledge that it's happening, take a step back, realize you don't actually need it, and that your life is going to be better without that thing or that fast food meal or whatever it is. But yeah, marketing works and it works for a reason because the people behind those ads are humans themselves and they know what works. So yeah, it's powerful stuff. Are you impervious to marketing? Oh, totally. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm like Swiss cheese when it comes to marketing. Just to be honest, <laughs> it just it gets to me every time. But uh, I've got you to hold me back. Um, yeah, a, a lifetime of practicing to sort of uh, a little bit of delayed gratification, right? Step back, think about what I want, and uh, hopefully I make fewer and fewer impulse buys and more just uh, purchases that will align with my long term satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, having an accountability partner definitely helps. And having like a, you know, some people actually have like a set waiting period. I will not buy this thing that I want to buy right now until it's been, you know, three days, five days, two weeks, whatever it is. I think I do that by accident out of laziness and procrastination. (laughs) Yeah. So a little little bit of luck there. Laziness can work to your benefit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think also living, like we said earlier, in this community, like surrounding yourself with folks that have that same kind of mentality is also one of the better antidotes to the onslaught of marketing that we all have around us every day. Yeah, the the world is trying to get us to buy stuff from pretty much every angle. So whatever you can do to put up a shield and blockade it is probably going to be a good thing. Yeah, and most especially when the Christmas car commercials start rolling out. 
just remember the way that this woman reacts is exactly the way that people should react and might react if you were crazy enough to buy someone a car for Christmas. So don't be, don't be that guy. Don't do this to your family for Christmas. Yeah. If you're going to do it, then you buy it. Just just <laughs> yeah. pay cash. Straight cash only. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening to our show today, guys. Uh, we're so excited to put out lots more episodes. So stick around and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great day. <laughs>